The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I'm going to start off with a riddle. When is a ship not a ship, not just a ship? The answer is (laughs) when it's also a floating museum. We're going to be talking today about the Queen Mary. It's a ship in Long Beach, California. We'll hear more about it from one of our guests. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how the Queen Mary presents Diana, Legacy of a Princess. My guests today are Suzanne King. She's the president of the Pink Ribbons Crusade. Margaret Rogers, the co-founder of the Pink, R- Pink Ribbons Crusade. And Steve Margaret Sheldon, Rogers, the director of and the um, and Steve Sheldon, who is the director of entertainment events of the Queen Mary. So, um, one of the stories, besides telling you that what my guests are going to talk about, is they're going to take you behind the scenes to explain how and why this new exhibit on the Queen Mary was was created, and give you a sneak preview of the exhibit, which you're going to be certain to think about as one of the must-see stops this summer. Um, but in addition to that, there's kind of a, a, a backstory which I think is just really interesting as a psychiatrist or as someone who um, likes to see how the universe kind of unfolds. It's so interesting to see how um, each of us, and I'll include myself here too, kind of came together to um, make this exhibit a reality. And um, this, the exhibit opened June 15th. Uh, well, technically, June 16th was the opening for the public. And um, it has been fabulous to see people come and, um, and enjoy all of the special items that are there. So let me start with the beginning, uh, starting with Suzanne King and starting with her wish for a little doll named Queenie. So, Suzanne? Well, I had asked Santa Claus uh, back when I was just in elementary school, for a queen doll. And uh, Santa Claus uh, obliged, and Queenie came into my life. Uh, Queenie was a Madame Alexander doll um, with a crown, a beautiful uh, dress, and the long gloves, um, and everything that a queen doll should be. And she was absolutely beautiful. She was my most prized possession, and I would not let my brother or my little sister touch her. 
And so she was what I saw every morning when I woke up and um, also saw every evening when I went to bed. And when I went off to college, she was still in excellent shape. Mother boxed her up knowing that she was going to become part of my family when I married and had children. Uh, So that was my beginning of fascination with the British royal family. Okay, and then? Well, then that's when Diana came on the scene. Um, And um, I, like so many other people, got up in the early, early morning to watch the wedding take place. Um, And I, about, oh, probably about four or five months later, saw a bride doll that was of Princess Diana. It was done by the Danbury Mint. It had the full dress ensemble with the long train and everything. And I thought that would just be a wonderful addition to Queenie. It would be, uh, you know, kind of a little partner to Queenie. And that is how this whole collection and this whole exhibit started, was with this bride doll being added as a partner to Queenie. And, okay, and, and continue taking us along the journey. Well, Okay, so um, I was kind of like a lot of other people. I had a fascination for Dinah just because she was married into the royal family and because she just seemed like the girl next door. She was a sweet, kind, kind of shy girl, and you just couldn't help but relate to her. I don't think many of us realized that she was going to become the glamorous, most beautiful woman in the world and have the influence that she did. So... Anyway, I just started out as a minor collector. I started collecting magazines and books and paper dolls and dolls and a few plates and and things like that. And uh, as my collection grew, it just started going under the bed, uh, into the closet, into cabinets. Um, Nothing was framed. It didn't take up that much room. And many, many, many years went by until um, there was finally a dress auction, which Dinah herself uh, hosted with uh, Christie's Auction House in uh, New York, and um, I told my husband I really needed to get to go to that auction. However, they only had 1,100 tickets, and it was by invitation only. If you bought one of the auction catalogs, which had the 79 dresses that Diana was going to be auctioning, you, your name was put into a raffle, Carol, and you had a chance to be invited to Christie's. Mm. Uh, well, I didn't get invited. <laughs> But I thought, well, you know, I'm going to call these people up and tell them how come they really should invite me. So I did. And I got this lovely gentleman on the phone, and I explained that I had been collecting Diana items for a long time. And he said, let me look. I think we still have a few invitations in the back. And he came back, and he said, oh, here yours is. It's just getting ready to go out. (laughs) And I'm like... Uh, well, the gentleman turned out to be from Austin, Texas, which is where I'm from, and I had already spilled the beans on that. So I'm pretty sure that's how I got invited. Huh. So I did go. Uh, there were The dresses were gorgeous. All of these were famous dresses that Diana had worn through the years, and the whole auction had been a suggestion of Prince Williams that she sell these dresses that she was no longer going to be needed and uh, sell them to raise money for charity, which is what the auction did. And... Did you buy any dresses at that auction? No, that is where the story gets quite complex (laughs) and and quite interesting, I think. Uh, I made a promise to my husband before I went uh, that I would not buy a dress because we were, uh, we owned a cable system in Texas and he, we were having a rate increase for the first time in three years and it was going to be that week and it just 
politically and from a PR standpoint, was not going to be a good time for me to buy a dress. So I promised him I wouldn't. You mean you didn't think your customers yeah, would like yeah. it? That you... well, I mean, people, of course, that wouldn't have been how I would have afforded the dress, but it's all in the perception of how it would have mm-hmm. appeared. And my husband, I think, was very accurate in saying that Dinah was a young lady. There would be many more auctions. There would be many more times for me to purchase a dress, and he would buy me one at a later date. As we all know, that did not happen. Uh, within six weeks, Donna herself died, and those dresses were the only ones that were ever available to the public. In fact, that's the first time royal dress had ever been made available to the public. And, and what the, year was the, that? In 1997, in June okay. of 1997, um, and uh, all of the money that was raised went to breast cancer charities, AIDS, pediatrics, causes that were dear to her heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you get your hands on the first one? Well, when we came back, when I was there, everyone realized from Christie's that I was walking around talking about the dresses to a friend who had accompanied me, and that it appeared I seemed to know a great deal on this subject, which, of course, I did. And uh, so the media followed me around the night at the auction, too, and they couldn't believe I wasn't buying a dress and that I was keeping my promise, and I really couldn't believe I was doing it either. Mm-hmm. But my husband's very important to me, and I'd made a promise, and I couldn't break it. So when I went home, everyone assumed that I had bought a dress, um, and I really kind of felt sorry for Jess because for the next couple of months, everyone kept talking about, well, you're so lucky you bought a dress before Diana died. You know, look at what a great value it was, which mm. is not at all why we would have bought it. And um, anyway, and I had to explain I didn't have a dress, and then it was, Jess, you should have bought her a dress. You know she should have had a dress. So anyway, it went on for a year. Um, Diana, uh, of course, died, and um, during that time period, I finally, after about a year, came in contact with someone who had gotten a dress um, through a um, through the Sydney newspaper because Dinah had worn it at the Sydney Bicentennial. And um, she was selling the dress that she had won because she wanted it to go to someone that would cherish it and do something wonderful with it. The two of us came in contact through the Internet, and when Jess came home for a business trip, I told him I had found a dress, and... Um, he said, where is it and when are we going? And that was my Christmas present. And that dress from Australia was the beginning of Pink Ribbon's Crusade. Um, and I know you're going to ask me next, Carol, how did the dress do that? That's because Jess said, I won't buy you the dress unless you do something wonderful with it. It can't just be a possession that we keep in our house. It can't just be something that people come and look at, Suzanne. It has to do something good. And that's when we created the charity Pink Ribbons Crusade, uh, to honor Diana and her interest in breast cancer, to honor my father, who is alive still and was a well-known breast surgeon, and to honor my grandmother, for whom I'm named. Okay, that's the, that takes us on the beginning of this. And, of course, um, you can tell us in a little bit, you know, how you went from that one dress to, to gathering so much more. Um, but why don't we bring Maggie in here? Margaret Hi. Rogers. Hi, Maggie. Why don't you see how, tell us how you uh, met Suzanne and how you got involved as in the Pink Rubens Crusade. Well, actually, Suzanne, Jess, and I kind of, after she got this first dress, it kind of happened on her kitchen table in Austin of what Suzanne was going to do that was good, and he uh, 
encouraged us to move forward and 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 form the charity and uh so it was i mean you talk about grassroots it was grassroots it was on Suzanne's table she and i met through uh, a mutual interest which is the royal family um i live in florida and she was in texas i was working with breast cancer patients and it just all the stars were just aligned and and, and Suzanne had this wonderful wonderful collection and i had this english background and history and it just it just seemed the right thing to do, and from there it has just snowballed, and we have a wonderful group of volunteers that have given their time over the last 10 years, and and then, you know, out of the blue, Steve found us, and, uh, you know. Well, it, tell us it, about it, it your just, phone. Well, it was after the holidays, and you know how people can actually buy a phone number and it comes up that you're getting a call, like, from, you know, some famous person, (laughs) they can actually spoof you. Well, I was volunteering at hospice, as I do every Tuesday and Friday, and my phone rang, and it said the queen is calling, and I really thought it was one of our volunteers being cute. (laughs) And and I didn't answer it the first time because I was very busy. And about the third time, you know, the phone rang and said the queen, I was almost abrupt because I thought it was one of our volunteers just, you know, pulling my leg, and here was this very charming young man who had found our ad on the museum uh, web page where, you know, a, an exhibit is looking for a place to go. And uh, he introduced himself and told us about the space, and then he invited Suzanne and I out to see it. And uh, in a very short time, less than six months, we were able to put together what you saw and actually get you involved, which was, you know, another blessing for us. Okay, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that is a great place to stop for now. Um, we will have Steve come on next and tell us how, because I, I uh, want to know where this epiphany came from, Steve, um, to, uh, to connect the legacy of a princess, to connect Diana, Princess Diana, with Queen Mary. <laughs> that was brilliant. So you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. When we come back, we'll hear more about this exhibit and hear more about the, the sequences of events that kind of brought us all together. And uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, Radio to Thrive By. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. 
Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about a fascinating, awesome new exhibit, new, just just started, on the ship, the Queen Mary. Uh, I gave a riddle at the beginning of the show, when is a ship not a ship, not just a ship, when it's also a floating museum. And that's what this has become just in this, in this last uh, several weeks. Well, I mean, in a way, it took years. If you want to, we started talking about that, but um, but in terms of this particular exhibit on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, um, Suzanne and Margaret and Steve have been working like beavers, and the volunteers from the Pink Ribbons Crusade have been working like beavers trying to get this ready, and it finally just came together. And um, we were talking about not only um, are my guests Suzanne King and Margaret Rogers and Steve Sheldon um, going to be taking you on a sneak preview of this exhibit, but also what's fascinating is that uh, as you're starting to hear how we all kind of intertwined to make this all possible. So Steve, tell us about how you got this epiphany about bringing Princess Diana to the Queen Mary. Well, it was all um, very serendipitous, I think. Um, you know, at the Queen Mary, we're always looking for new ways to bring uh, visitors to the ship, and we consider the Queen Mary herself to be a living museum. And, yeah. you know, that said, and with our rich history, um, you know, we have to create ways and reasons for people to um, return to the ship once they've been there and seen the beautiful art and architecture and learn the history of the ship. Um, so I had been researching traveling exhibitions that we could bring to the ship to just add another level of interest and be a, an additional draw and really wanted to find something. You know, we have hosted in the past exhibitions like the Titanic exhibition. Um, we hosted an exhibition on Marilyn Monroe on Star Trek, things that were of great consumer interest but didn't necessarily tie into the history of the ship. And... So as I was doing my research and happened upon a website that listed museums, museum exhibitions looking for their next home, uh, I came upon a listing for um, this exhibition that was put up by Maggie and had Maggie's contact information. And as I read the description of the exhibit and some of the content, I thought, wow, this is a really good um this exhibit would be a really good fit for the Queen Mary. It sounds like it, it really ties in well. And when I was able to uh, get in touch with Maggie and speak with her on the phone, I think a spark went off on both ends of the phone because the more we talked, the more I think we both realized, wow, this could 
this could be a really ideal marriage. And the more we've learned about uh, one another and the, ex- the exhibition itself and the history of the ship, I think we've all be- become even more convinced that that's the case. Yes, and actually, um, you did bring up a good point that, of course, the, muse- the, the ship itself is a museum in a sense. Uh, this is this is adding the uh, cream to the <laughs> to it. Um, Absolutely. And and let me um, for those of you who have been listening for a long time or or and have heard um, some previous shows where well starting actually in March of 2011 when I was talking about going to London to bid on Kate Middleton's dress the sexy see-through dress that she wore to catch the heart of Prince William. Um, during that time, uh, before I left, I had my assistant calling around to try to find uh, appropriate people who might be interested in going on this quest with me, if not actually literally um, traveling to London with me, um, then at least in spirit and being willing to share their money so that we could both go in and be able to bid a higher amount on this dress because, um, as it turned out, it went for over $125,000. So my assistant, Michelle, um, she was trying to figure out. She was scurrying around. This was just right before I left. She didn't have much time. She was scurrying around. She figured out, huh, maybe somebody who is a well-known collector of Princess Diana dresses would like Kate's dress. And that's how she came upon Suzanne King, who then, once Steve called Maggie, who called Suzanne... <laughs> she called me because she remembered that not only, I mean, although I hadn't actually gotten the original of Kate Middleton's dress, I got the next best thing, literally, which was uh, the prototype of the dress made by, uh, in conjunction with the designer, Charlotte Todd, and um, which became the prototype for the uh, limited edition of replicas of the dress, for which I am the U.S. ambassador. And so um, I, when I was there, of course, Kate, the whole point was Kate was the quintessential good girl who used bad girl secrets to catch her prince. And then the Duchess of Windsor is the quintessential bad girl who made her man give up the throne or seduced her man into, into giving up the throne. And so um, Suzanne remembered all of that and uh, thought of me when they were putting together this exhibit. So that's kind of how, and as Suzanne, well, I'll let you chime in here, Suzanne, because what you were talking about before, about how we all got together. Well, first, maybe I need to explain that the exhibition that's at the Queen Mary does not focus only on Princess Diana. Uh, what we felt was so important when we met with Steve and Sean and Matt, all the leaders of the ship and the company that uh, represents them as well, was that this be a marriage that ties together the modern interest of Diana and Kate, William and Harry, but also all the history of the royal family that had been involved with the Queen Mary, starting with, of course, Queen Mary herself and King George, her husband, going then to the Duke and Duchess of Windsor and into the Queen Mother and her husband, King George, down to Queen Elizabeth. That whole group of royals at least one of each of those couples, has actually visited or sailed on the Queen Mary. So it was really vitally important to all of us that we tell the story 
of the history of the Queen Mary and the royals that were on it going into the Dinah collection. And that is why we were so interested in involving Carol, because not only does she have a beautiful pinois set uh, that formerly belonged to the Duchess of Windsor, uh, she also has a number of beautiful bed jackets that belong to her as well. And we had linens that had belonged to them, uh, both uh, hand towels and pillowcases, and also a number of handwritten letters and so on and so forth. And Carol's uh, wonderful, wonderful ensembles were just the icing to the cake of uh, the Wallace Simpson story. Um, and what I think Maggie will be able to talk about is how small that woman was. When we started taking a look at Carol's items and trying to put them on dress forms or on mannequins, they were so tiny that they were much tinier than anything we had ever considered hmm. for Kate or uh, Diana. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh, very small, Carol. Very, very, very small. I, I was shocked. Um, we actually had to go and use a size 2 mannequin, but with collapsing shoulder, which is a very unusual mannequin because she was very narrow across the width of her shoulders, but she was actually rather big busted. So no wonder she was dress- able to. No wonder she was able to seduce her man. <laughs> so those those dresses did not. I mean, we had this beautiful uh, mannequin that was brought into us from the 1940s. I mean, just a slim, slim little silhouette, looked like a size zero. But her shoulders were so small that none of your thing. I mean, we cannot damage. I mean, it's like a person. You know, you kind of wiggle and you move, and your skin does. Mm-hmm. A mannequin's pretty rigid. And so we finally had to get a museum um, mannequin for your items that the shoulders actually are on springs and go in. Hmm. So you could slide the dress down and then bring the shoulder part back out. But she had quite a large bust, tiny waist, 21 inches, narrow it's shoulders. very, and she, very interesting yeah. that the Duchess of Windsor, as I think we were talking one day, Carol, she said about herself, I'm not much to look at, so I have to be better dressed than anyone else. And that is exactly what she did. She, They spent fortunes with Christian Dior and all the other designers mm-hmm. making sure that she was always the best dressed woman in the room. In fact, she was, during all the time that she was in the public eye, one of the best dressed women in the world. Oh, and, and the lingerie that is on display shows this. I mean, the the beautiful silk chiffon, hand-rolled, hand-stitched seams and hems on the, your garments are, are exquisite to look at, just in themselves, without the history. Well, you know, when um, Suzanne called and I began becoming a part of all of this, I had no idea that it was going to turn out to be what this exhibit is. Why don't you, I, I mean, why don't all of you give some highlights of the exhibit? I was just, uh, it, it turns out that there are 2,000 pieces that um, have been collected um, by by all of, by you, Suzanne? Or, well, no, there were some other people who loaned items as well, of course. But um, all the, it's not just dresses, and it's not just Princess Diana's dresses. It's all these items of these letters and these pictures and these all these um, historical items that tell the story um, of the royal family. And, of course, it starts out with this tree so that you can understand the connections uh, be amongst the different relatives and so on. 
and then each room uh, talks about a different aspect of of someone involved in the royal family and and these very personal letters i mean you could spend a week going through the exhibit uh, if you were reading all of the little detailed items it's just amazing so can you tell us a little bit more about about some of the things or about the voyage of, of um, gathering all of these things? How did that all come together? Well, uh, it started with my collection, and as I said, it was uh, under the bed and in the closet and everywhere else. And finally, Jess woke up one morning, and all the Dinah dolls were over in this cabinet on his side of the bed. And he said, Suzanne, we are eating, breathing, and sleeping, Diana. I really think we need to do something about it. And that is how Pink Ribbons Crusade started. And what I did was take all a a kind of a, a smithering of different items that I had and had a luncheon, and Maggie came too, and we invited friends of mine to take a look and tell us if they thought, now that I owned a Diana dress at that time, just one, um, did they think that the public might be interested in coming to see these things, and if so, would we be able to make some money for charity, since I was supposed to do something really good with what I had. And that little group of friends is what started us here in Austin, and then that group of friends, some were able to continue working with us, some were not able to. We were invited to other locations uh, through the years, and each time we went, we changed the exhibit to make it fit the needs of the location that we were at. Um, We soon found that in most cases, the primary interest was, of course, in Diana. Uh, At that time, there was... William and Harry were just small boys and not able to really have very many things that might relate to them. And there was some interest in the Queen as well. So um, we we started um, adding all these items together and making a core base of Pink Ribbons Crusade. Um, and as we found other people that had items we thought would really add to the depth and the interest of the exhibit. We've asked them from time to time to loan us uh, some of these items. We think it's wonderful that more and more people are involved. It shouldn't just be one person's collection or just one person's story. Yes, and I'm going to need to stop you there because um, that music, I don't know if you were able to hear it, but we do need to take another break. Of course, this hour is going so quickly because all of this is... uh, It's so interesting, Um, but we do need to take a break. We're talking today about the Queen Mary Presents, Diana, Legacy of a Princess. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Stay tuned. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. 
Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking about this fabulous exhibit uh, that has just reached the Queen Mary, just been assembled. We've been talking about the journey that we've all taken to come together to put this together um, and and hopefully whetting your appetite to include Long Beach, California as part of your uh, nearest, <laughs> soonest trip so that you can see the ship, the ship in itself, as Steve uh, Sheldon, the director of entertainment events on the Queen Mary, was mentioning earlier that that in itself is a museum. There are amazing things to see. There are tours on the ship itself to to see some of these things and also the haunted aspect of the ship. Um, but this was a new exhibit that was created in a new space or, or, or repurposed space that we could talk about on the ship. Also, my guests are Suzanne King. She's the president of the Pink Ribbons Crusade, a charity that helps breast cancer patients by touring this royal exhibit, and Maggie Rogers, who is the co-founder of the Pink Ribbons Crusade. So, Suzanne, before the break, you were um, telling us about and I, uh, about how uh, some of these things had come together, some of the different items. Well, it, a lot of them came uh, from... In fact, the majority, uh, most things came from the collection that Jess and I had assembled through these years. Uh, he would say that he helped pay for them, and I just seemed to find them. Um, and my friends thought it was something that would merit uh, people paying for, and that's when we created uh, the charity and a traveling exhibit, which I think I need to say, none of us get paid that are doing this, Carol. Mm-hmm. It is totally volunteer on Pink Ribbon's part and on our handful of volunteers who also assist us, and the money that we raise goes to help fight breast cancer in the community that invites us in. So therefore, this exhibit that is in Long Beach, the money that Pink Ribbons is gifted from a portion of the ticket sales will be going to help fight breast cancer in Southern California. And I think that's really important that people understand that. And that's what keeps all of us going for all of these years. Um, One of the things I think also that is important is that people understand when Dinah died, there was a great deal of, of uh, negativity about people doing something with Diana, her likeness, her image, even her um, background of any form or items that related to her that uh, would um, uh, capitalize on her and make money on her. Um, we therefore felt that it was very important as we created this a charity that we go to England and we visit people that actually knew her because it was important to us that we were sure that she herself would approve 
if she were alive, mm. what we were doing. So uh, Maggie joined me with some other of our volunteers, and we visited um, Althorpe, met her brother. We visited her two major hat designers. We visited Catherine Walker, who was the designer of over 50 of the auction dresses, and we visited with Nigel Arch, the director of Kensington Palace. And all of these people, without exception, told us that they felt this was something she would greatly support. Mm. Um, in fact, most people aren't aware that the last year of her life, she came to America twice to raise funds here to fight breast cancer. Mm. People are so aware of the landmine and the AIDS tie-in, but a lot of people are not aware of how important fighting breast cancer was to her. Yes, yes. And Maggie, uh, during the break, you started telling us about a story, as Nick, which is a great example of, of how some of these things came added to the collection. Well, when Suzanne, when Suzanne and I went on our first trip to London, because we did want some background, and quite frankly, we needed a little help in what we were doing, we had the pleasure of meeting with John Boyd, uh, excuse me, um, Suzanne, Donald correct Campbell. Donald Campbell, not John Boyd. And he was her designer of her suit that she wore when she was engaged and the lovely little periwinkle dress that is currently on display at the Queen Mary. We're sitting there talking to this wonderful gentleman and talking about what we had hoped to do, which I now think we are doing. And he goes in the back room, comes out with a paper bag, and hands it to us. And in it are original sketches that he had made for the princess of dresses he had made for her, along with pieces of fabric. And he just gave it to us. And those are on display on the Queen Mary because he felt that what we were doing was something that she would approved of, and he had a very close relationship with her because he also made clothes for her grandmother. Hmm. So it was a, you know, that was the start, and it was a, it was a warm and fuzzy right there from the get-go. Yes, that that just made uh, gave gave me chills as it must have and, given and, to both of you, know, you sitting there. And, well, was, and, and I think we should also say that we might have only started with one dress, but now we own eight and yep. um, also have uh, acquired a pair of evening pants that belong to the princess and also a suit. And we are blessed to have come in contact with so many other dress owners who have graciously loaned their dresses to us from time to time because they also feel a responsibility that they become working dresses and continue the work that Dinah herself started. Yes, and Steve, why don't you, um, well, first of all, I'm, what I'm curious about uh, is, I, of course, I had the honor and pleasure to be with you all on the first week of the opening, the gala, and then the opening, the June 15th and 16th and 17th, and um, for me, what was so thrilling was seeing, um, the you know, everything was all this uh, hustle bustle behind the scenes, getting it all ready. And uh, I had been out there, you know, ten days or two weeks before, and then and then just that day, and and um, b- before anybody else came in. And what was best, the the most uh, gratifying to me was when the doors opened on the 16th, and people came rushing in, and they started ooing and eyeing over all of these the the variety, the dresses, the, the all the clothes, um, the the lingerie, the everything that was there. It was just the excitement throughout the the rooms um, were ju- was just amazing, and that was that just made me feel so thrilled to be a part of it. So I'd like to know what what has happened since that weekend, Steve. 
a lot more ooing and aahing. That's been, you know, I really, uh, I think one of the most important things in creating a, an attraction or an entertainment event or an exhibition that, that you invite the public to is to, um, to under-promise and over-deliver. Mm. And I think this exhibit, that not that it is at all undersold, um, but I think once people come in, it's so much more than they expect, and it's mm. so much more than um, I mean, it, it's so much more than I ever dreamed it would be. And I've been involved, um, you know, since that initial phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see it all come together, to see it all. Um, in person to really be able to to read and connect with um, you know some of the, the letters that were written um, between members of the royal family and um, it really personalizes those individuals and those people that we've learned about in history and or through the media and it really is a, a unique experience so I think what people are um, seeing when they come in is a they're fascinated by um, the way that we've been able to tie in the history of the ship. And we've we, with any repurposing of any space aboard the ship, uh, you know, she is the largest collection of Art Deco art and furniture uh, in the world in one single location. Mm-hmm. And we really um, tried our best to incorporate original elements of that art and architecture throughout the the exhibit space. And so you'll see things like a, a scale replica of one famous art pieces on the ship as you walk into the main exhibit entrance. And that piece alone is is stunning, and it's something that everybody uh, loves to see. And as they walk through um, the exhibit space, I think they're just really stunned by the amount of information that's there about the history of the royal family um, and just the the sheer volume of, of material. And Originally, I think when we were putting this together, I anticipated people uh, being very interested in the history of the royal family, but really making a beeline to the. And that hasn't happened. That's you know, people are really spending a lot of time um, in all of the the individual galleries and learning about the material that's been included. So it's really great to see how people use the space. And I would like to say something about the beauty of what the exhibit has turned out to be based on the beauty of the ship itself. They have taken great uh, pains to work with the Historical Society in making the space as realistic in, in locations as possible to what the ship would have been originally like, to make it a like it would have been when the Duke and Duchess of Windsor would have been going back and forth on it. Uh, the uh, items, I mean, the, the, they have taken great pains in, in eliminating very little as far as the structure of the original ship, um, and they've tried to keep that, that feeling of the antique ship throughout the exhibit as much as possible. Um, they've also added a tea room, which is just absolutely beautiful, uh, that is right beside the um, exhibit and will allow over 100 people to have tea there a couple of times uh, a day and then also visit the 
exhibit and then, of course, go into the beautiful gift shop that follows. So all of those things have been put onto this former sun deck of the Queen Mary and now are part of this whole exhibition that we're having to help raise money for breast cancer. I think yes, I'm what glad Suzanne said go ahead. Go ahead. is very true, and we were also fortunate that they allowed us to have actual pieces of furniture that were from the ship, from the Art Deco, which have finished off our vignettes just beautifully. I mean, to have Art Deco cabinets displaying letters that were written during that time just adds something you would never find in a normal museum. Yes, I think that the exhibit, Carol, is obviously beautiful. Everyone that comes in can't stop talking about the beauty of it. But I think that we also need to talk about how historically correct it is. It's such a history lesson into the European history at that time and obviously the whole royal family. And it ties in so much about why William and Kate are so important now and why how they're changing uh the, the former uh, royal family. Yes, and we'll, we can talk more about that when we come back. We're talking today about the Queen Mary Presents, Diana, Legacy of a Princess. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Stay tuned as we uh, continue or get to the end of the story. <laughs> Entice you some more to come visit it um, and when we come back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guests Suzanne King, Maggie Rogers, and Steve Sheldon. We're talking about this new exhibit that has just uh, become evolved, been created on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, Diana's Legacy of a Princess. Um, we're going to give you some more highlights of the exhibit. It's so hard to uh, to do it justice. I mean, um, before the break, Suzanne was talking about what an incredible history lesson it is, and it is, of course, the ship itself is, and the exhibit is, um, starting, as I said, with the uh, the in the first room with the... Um, 
the tree, uh, how the, all of the royal family fits together, and then going from room to room chronologically. I mean, I loved that uh, because nobody wants to, you know, you, you say history and people think, oh, God, is that going to be boring? But it's like incredibly exciting, especially the way, uh, well, first of all, the ship is so beautiful and that presents history to you, you're just faced with it, but um, in terms of the exhibit, it's not like, it, it, it takes you so effortlessly from one chronology, one, you know, time to the next, to the next person in the family and to the next, and, um, and, and just with such intriguing items that you're, you're fascinated. It's not, uh, you know, it's not like a boring history lesson. You, these people become real. I mean, I guess that's what it is, that for, from, from the... Um, the gallery that you did with my lingerie from the Duchess of Windsor, where you added all the all the accoutrements in that in that scene with the little pug pillows that are so adorable, and just every single uh, gallery is like that, where there are these unique aspects that you wouldn't have known about these people, and that make them come to life, and that's what makes it so exciting. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you, and t- t- I guess maybe tell us about what your favorite part is, or what what you thought was the most important part of the exhibit. Anyone? I love the fact it's like opening a trunk in someone's attic, mm. and you pull out all these little pieces, and there the story is told. And I think we have letters and textiles and newspapers and quilts and china that there is something for everyone. You know, people who are into written documents or actual history want to stand and read newspapers or people who are just collectors of royal memorabilia, which goes back to the 1500s, or people who just like textile will will find something of interest. And you tie that to the history of the ship, and to me it's just it's just wonderful. And for me, I think um, it is very exciting to stand back in the background and people not recognize me and see what is catching their fantasy. Um, it is oftentimes things that would not be of interest, as much interest to me, but I sit and I watch what they're watching. Um, we have in this collection the largest collection of Crease and Co. dolls in the world. They're the uh, most famous artist doll makers in the world, and I'm fortunate enough to have their largest collection of dolls. That is on display, and for the people that love dolls, the opportunity to see all these in one place is amazing. We have in our collection over 150 framed historical newspapers. In this exhibit, you will see about 85 of them as they change out, so that you're going to learn straight from the horse's mouth at that on that date what was happening in British royal history. And then there are all kinds of unique items, one-of-a-kind items that we're so fortunate to have in this exhibit, like a purse that actually belonged to the Queen Mother and one of her personal checks, and her check register showing that maybe in uh, four years she only wrote four checks, and two of them were to, as she put in her check registry, the king. Uh, we have things like Prince Harry's fourth birthday invitation, uh, written by handwritten by Diana, and she just went out and bought her own uh, birthday invitations from Harry, just like any mother would. They didn't come out from Kensington Palace. This woman went out and was like any mother, writing birthday invitations uh, for her son. And you're going to see 
all of that kind of thing, Christmas cards from the royals. You're going to see menus and invitations like you would receive if you were invited to um, one of their events. You're going to see pieces of the wedding cake uh, of Charles and Diana, of William and, and Kate, uh, their wedding invitations, so on and so forth. So we invite everyone to come out, take a look, and please help us so much in our fight against breast cancer there in Southern California. Yes, that's... I mean, it's, it's, how can you, between enjoying this fabulous exhibit and knowing that you're doing good, <laughs> um, it's a, it's a winning combination. Steve, what are some of the comments that you've been getting from people? You know, it's really interesting. We have a, um, guest book in the memorial section. And, uh, you know, one of the, the goals originally, um, in putting this exhibit together and something that Suzanne and Maggie shared with me was, you know, obviously you need to to um, talk about and, and cover the fact that the princess passed away, um, but you don't want that to be the focus of the exhibit. The focus really is her legacy and her her fight against breast cancer and her work with so many other charities. And that really is her legacy, the, the, um, uh, the work that her children are doing and that so many others are inspired to do. And uh, reading some of the comments that people leave in that in that guest book, um, and how Diana inspired them and touched their lives um, is is really moving, and it's really um, something that's nice to know that uh, we were all a part of of putting this together and putting something together that actually um, touched the people that came to see it, and that they were moved in in such a way. And I think just the fact that so many, you know, as Suzanne said, the pink ribbons does not make any money on on this exhibition at all. All of the money raised goes to fight breast cancer right here in Southern California, and a portion of the proceeds uh, generated from each ticket sale also go to support uh, breast cancer awareness and prevention programs here in Southern California. And you look at the, the breast owners and the people who have become involved, such as yourself, who have so generously gotten involved and loaned their items and allowed their items to be included in this display um, the members of the Pink Ribbons Crusade Board and who all came out and, and worked for three weeks, night and day, to get this set up and to make it perfect. Um, you know, so many good people coming together for such a good cause. It really leaves you with a sense of, um, wow, this is, this is what it's all about, and it, it really is touching. Yes, absolutely. And, in, in, you know, with... In a world where sometimes the headlines can get depressing, to, to think that something like this could happen, and to go back to what I was saying at the beginning, how, you know, it, it kind of, it, for, it's a lesson for everybody that you never know where what you're doing today will lead. And if you have your heart in the right place, and sometimes you may not know why you're being driven to do something or other, but there's some kind of, uh, there's some reason why something is going to come together at the end. And um, for me, it's been a fabulous pleasure to to meet all of you and to be a part of all of this. And yes, to be to be raising money for such a good cause and and to be giving so much enjoyment to the people coming through uh, the ship, learning about the ship itself and learning about the exhibit, and um, just you know such a a, a a point of joy in this world. Um, I, I think that that in itself is just amazing, and it's it. It shows what the human spirit can do when we when we kind of all work together to do something good. 
So I'd like to thank you all. Um, Again, Suzanne King, she's the president of the Pink Ribbons Crusade. Uh, Margaret Rogers, she is the co-founder of the Pink Ribbons Crusade. Steve Sheldon, the director of entertainment events at the Queen Mary. And Steve, why don't you tell us, um, I mean, of course, people can go to queenmary.com, right? Absolutely. And uh, to buy tickets or to just come to the ship and, and get tickets there. Um, and there are all kinds of wonderful places to eat on the ship as well. The tea room is, is fabulous with with views of the ocean and, and lots of other great dining places as well on the ship. So there's so much to do you can spend. <laughs> and you, and it's a floating hotel. I have to, we yeah. have to mention that. Yes, that was a lot of fun to stay over on the ship. So, um, so thank you all for joining me. Um, Suzanne and Maggie and Steve, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 